everybody, this is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? Because we have to, not because we want to anymore. No! This has become a dread obligation. No, no, we want to, Matt. Do we? Like, this episode, really? Yes. I love it. It's my favorite. <laughs> Uh, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all of our bonus content. Um, lots of back bonus podcasts. You can listen to us rant and rave about other Simpsons things on there and new episodes and things. Uh, but however, hey, Matt. Yes, Robbie. We are not alone today. We are joined by Brian, Brian Green. Brian, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, and actually, you know, uh, I, I've got to tell you, Matt, the reason I'm actually here is I'm actually your real father. Uh, that's why Robbie oh. invited me today. <laughs> I knew it! The fact that my, my current father looks and sounds exactly like me to the point where you're confused, uh, that never made sense to me. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm here, son. I'm here for you. Also, Brian, you are years younger than Matt. <laughs> 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 oh obviously this is a cable thing where he went back in time and, and fathered me exactly just like uh you know fry you know philip j fry yes we have a strict no summers policy on this podcast man we can't oh, no <laughs> no scott summers no alex no whatever his vulcan's real name no, is no rachel no hope no, no god uh, almighty. there's so many uh brian you're here at Ascani day spring man what did i just say sorry <laughs> I didn't want to leave anyone out. If you're back in time and kill my grandfather. Please stop. Uh, Brian, you're here because uh, a second season of your podcast is starting, has started, I guess, technically in the past. Mm -hmm. well, tell the good folks at home what it is and why they should listen to it. Uh, so my theme park, my podcast is called Theme Park This. It is a uh, show where my co-host and I, uh, every episode, we take a concept or an uh, IP, and we build a theme park out of it. Uh, so we've uh, done many episodes, such as uh, The Simpsons, we've done Star Wars, we're going to do a Futurama at some point. Uh, we just launched our Season 2 with our uh, with our Muppets episode, uh, which is a whole lot of fun. Um, and was you know it's kind of crazy, considering that just yesterday they announced uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion is coming to Disney Plus this Halloween. Uh, we were lamenting the fact that, you know, we don't have any spooky Muppets content, and so we wanted that in our park. Um, yeah, it's good timing there, because... Uh, I was going to say, you guys work for Disney now? Is that how Oh, yeah. No, no, Disney just listens to us and, you know, cribs notes from us. That sounds like Disney. Well, not I mean, paying, Disney has not, no original ideas. Not, not paying their themselves. freelancers? That sounds like Disney. You know what? I'm I'm perfectly fine. If it gets my stuff in the parks, I'm I'm all right with it. That's the wrong attitude, Ryan. That's a, that, <laughs> that, 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 that is why people don't get pays, because they're doing it for the love of, uh, you know, their their I, some IP that they like a lot. I mean, who doesn't right. like? Who doesn't like um, I was going to go for, like, a lesser-known Muppet, but kermit um, um i like kermit so. kermit is a lesser known muppet <laughs> no kermit <laughs> my first inclination is just to say kermit but i'm whoever, like no whoever, i should whoever the chicken that gonzo is always stupid isn't that just camilla chicken? she has a name oh. sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> god almighty okay you know i said we're not talking about this week's episode of the simpsons uh <laughs> speaking of this week's episode There's a great reason for that is called homer's paternity coot God almighty, what a terrible name. Episode H-A-B-F-O-3, originally aired January 8th, 2006. Yay! We're in 2006, Matt. We got there. 
Wow. Thank goodness. We got out of the hell year that was 2005. Wow. And now uh, we're in the hell year that's 2006. It can't be worse. It can't be. I refuse. It can't. It can't be worse, right? I'm pretty sure our worst years uh, are are behind us, but they're not going to get much better. 2005 had both Goo Goo Guy Pan and Bonfire of the Manatees in it. Oof, that's that's a rough one. Uh, okay, you're probably right. Those then. are. I mean, I don't think. Mm, I don't want to even look at it. This episode written by Joel H. Cohen, directed by Mike B. Anderson, received a 5.9 rating with 10.1 million viewers. The chalkboard gag, I am not smarter than the president. I mean, Depends on who the president is. It was 2006. At this point, it was George W., so I don't think Bart is uh, smarter than George W. Uh, but, you know, for the previous four years to now, maybe. I, okay, so my question is, it just does this chalkboard gag only apply to George W. Bush, or does it apply to the president that is president while we're watching the episode? I mean, if so, the, uh, Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, because that makes it so that uh, it is either true or not true, depending on when it's watched. So it's very postmodern. It's more in the morning, guys. I can't think about things like this. My hurt. You already mentioned the summers, and now we're doing sliding time skills. I can't deal with this. Okay, the couch gag. Take a deep breath for this. A photographer comes in and takes a series of family photos. The family normal in 2006 and 2007. Uh, in 2008, Homer is dead. In 2009, he has been replaced by Lenny. In 2010, it is now Lenny and Carl in place uh, of Homer and Marge. Uh, I watched that one. That'd probably be a good uh, show. 2011, Marge is now married to Jimbo. Uh, in 2012, Homer has re- replaced Jimbo with a robot version of himself. And then in 2013, they're all robots. Man, remember 2013, the all robot year, guys? That was a rough one. I'm glad we got through that. I like the robot season. I really, I wish there was a robot season. That like that's <laughs> that not... sounds pretty great, actually. <laughs> I mean, Compared even if this. it was, it what could what's the worst that could happen? It can't be worse than season than the the season seventeen. It can't be. That is very accurate. It's impossible. I mean, I guess it is possible. I don't want it to be. This episode guest stars Michael York as Mason Fairbanks, uh, William H Macy as himself, and Joe Frazier as himself. That. Knowing that it's actually Joe Frazier makes that funnier. It is. How, how stupid. How, God, <laughs> how terrible. Okay. <sighs> Let me just get that out of the way. Just a, a deep <laughs> existential sigh <laughs> as we get into this episode. Serenity now. Serenity, yes. That's, that, that. I'm never, I was never settled on if Serenity now was actually, like, they say, they say at the end of the episode that it's not healthy. Actually, it is healthy. You do want to restrain your anger. You don't want to. It's not healthy to just let it out all the time. It inflame. It's it causes inflammation. I read studies. So straining now is good. It's a good thing to do. Hmm. All right. It is. You always want to take at least ten seconds. There's there's a basis behind that. Yeah. So, uh, Jerry Stiller. Uh, what? What? You say Gary Stiller? Jerry Stiller. I said his real. I forget the Costanza. What's 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 that, George's dad's name? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember the character. Jerry. Is it Jerry? Oh, the Seinfeld name? stands are going to be mad at us. <laughs> oh no! How dare they? <laughs> a different, a different uh, aged show from the '90s that we people hold on to nostalgia for. Uh, aged show. Aged. It's age. I mean, it's thirty years old, Matt. Uh, it's aged, just like yeah. the Simpsons are. Uh, Frank Costanza. Frank, Frank, of course. That's a good name. So, 
the this this episode of The Simpsons, not Seinfeld, starts with a TV commercial for smoke the smoke damage outlet store. Oh my god! Everything we own is in that house! How often have you driven by a fire and thought, how can this benefit me? Well, think no more and drive on down to the Smoke Damage Outlet Store. Where there's smoke, there's bargains. We've got fire-damaged furniture, smoke-damaged smoke detectors, action figure puddle, something we think was an air conditioner, and boxes and boxes of you figure it out. Come in today and meet Smoke and Joe Frazier. I'm only here because my name has smoke in it. Oh, come on, that has nothing to do with it, Smoke and Joe. I can send people to your house. Bad people. <laughs> Come on, we're going to that store before the next commercial makes me do something else. Buy the suit off my back. Only $9.95. Stop, drop, and save. <laughs> oh, Smoking Joe, you're the best part of this episode. Is he? <laughs> no. Have you seen the rest of this episode? I, I have. It's, <laughs> it's not great, but uh, no, I would. Uh, I would. Man, I would also agree that Smoke and Joe is not the best part of this episode. It is his I, two him lines, saying, "I could send people to your house." I, he has right. two. There's two lines of this. It's funny only because this is actually Joe Frazier. Um, yeah. I'm only here because my name has smoke in it. That's a good. Like that's funny. Um, and I wish this episode was. This episode begins with this of just nonsense for eight minutes of just weirdness, like non-connected things. Just uh, we're mad libbing from plot point to plot point. None of it makes sense. And frankly, the episode would be better if it just did this all the way through. If there was no plot, really, no Homer, no DNA tests. It's just nonsense but unfortunately it doesn't stay that way i would at this point that's where i'm at i i've leaned the other direction where i just wanted to be nonsense i wanted to be family guy just do that oh no i've been broken that's what the simpsons have done to me so marge goes to the store she wants to go to the smoke damage outlet store okay because why wouldn't you want to go to the smoke damage outlet store i mean he got that grandfather clock for three bucks that's pretty good it would I'm sure it smells lovely. I think it was still actively on fire, which is Have you know, you? might be problematic. I know but... that I I like I know that this is a bit, but smoke smells terrible. Like I there's nothing I would I would you could not give me something that smells like smoke to put in my house. There's nothing I would not take it. I would say no, no, thank you. I don't care what it is. Uh, you can always just put it outside and let it uh, off gas for a little while. It eventually goes away. Did. Did you? Is that a real word, Matt? Off gas? Is that a real thing? Yeah. Did, yeah. It sounds like something. I don't know just, if it's usable in this application, but it's a real word. You just. It sounds like you just made that up. It sounds like that's a Matt word, oh. and you just were like. <laughs> it's a science word, so I don't think it applies in this particular case. What did I say about including science in this in our in our Simpsons discussion, Matt? It's not. I mean that your brain is tiny and that you're not allowed to. I mean, it's certainly tiny at nine thirty in the morning, which is when I'm recording this. So your your brain does grow in size throughout the day. <laughs> it. I mean, it peaks more at science. A, it peaks at around like ten o'clock, and then and, and then there's like a a shift. No, no, Matt is linking out gassing in our in our Skype chat. Sometimes that is... called off gassing. <laughs> Matt, we have twenty more minutes to go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to. I want to be correct. I, I, Being technically correct is what I live for. Technically correct is the best kind. So Mars wants to go to this smoke damage store. Uh, there's a toll in the way. 
New Toll Road. You might go, is this important, Robbie? I go, nope, not, doesn't matter whatsoever. I mean, it matters for like three minutes. So there's a toll road. It costs 75 cents. There's a single toll, 75 cents to pay for uh, pythons in the fountain. Oh, they established a toll road to pay for pythons in the town fountain. They're adding pythons, or they're getting rid of them. They're getting rid of the pythons. They don't I say think. actually. They do say depythoning. Yeah, <laughs> they're getting rid of many pythons. I don't sure, uh, but Marge doesn't want to pay seventy five cents, so she goes. She takes the cheap route. She takes uh, some terrible bumpy dirt road, and so does everyone else. They don't want to pay the seventy five cents. So Quimby, angry about this, puts in spice and concrete barriers. Um, that so you can't take the cheapo route, and Marge, I'm really this is already I'm just I'm like I cannot take this. So Marge, in wants to still take the she realizes that she can't take the cheapo route. She gets up to the toll booth, gets up to the, I like I just saying these words makes me upset. She gets up to the toll booth and doesn't want to pay. She sees the toll, the the toll little, the toll bucket. She sees it as a monster. <laughs> yes, in in five years, eighty five cents instead of seventy five cents with voter approval. Eighty. How dare it they? It was eighty cents, Matt. To be eighty cents. Five cents. Five cents. How dare you? You just said how technically, you know, technically correct is the best kind of correct. I mean, now if it was today, no, it'd be a dollar fifty. This would be. It would cost three dollars to go to the smoke damage oh, outlet yeah. store. But Mars refuses to pay. I like the monster, the monster bucket, uh, because it reminds me of, you know, every time I pay to use the, the express lane, you know, the same time on my commute. I just think, oh, man, this is a slippery slope. It's a lot more than 75 cents. though. No, I just it, this is just so anachronistic. Like, no one does people pay with money, like pay with coins. Back then they would. They would. I in my lifetime, I absolutely paid tolls with coins. I, I don't I mean, you still can in some places. Yes, you can. I just, it just feels, regardless, Marge backs up over the spike strips and in doing so backs into every other car and they all sets off a chain reaction where they all end up backing up over spike strips, shredding everyone's tires. That's how that works. It isn't, but the show does that for no real reason uh, because none of this matters. None of this matters. Literally, none none of this matters. None of this war, none of this factors into the episode at the at the end ever at all. Zero amount. They don't come back to this road. They never mention a toll. They don't worry about the tires of the car ever again. There's nothing. I mean, the greatest stories ever told always have like three things that set off the set off the main story. Name right, one. you never start with the main story or the thing that's, that incites the main story. You have to have like two or three different levels. That's that's, that's what I've learned that makes things better. That's why, like in the you know the dramatic structure, there's inciting incidents. That's it's plural, plural. Brian, do you are you? Uh oh, Matt, you might gonna have to do some. We're gonna have to have some Mortal Kombat to fight for the role of Mister Simpsons writer. <laughs> no, that's okay. He can have it. I'm I'm good. Oh, neat, fun. I'm tired of turning my brain off and on in weird ways. Because that's what that's that's what. I can't, I can't, I cannot. It's just, it's just inciting incidents just over and over. Just, and they never stop because then they change all the tires and then they go to the tire fire and then they are burning the tire fire. And I guess these 12 extra tires or 25 extra tires, however many tires it is, 
is what makes the tire fire significantly hotter than it already was. This And none of this is a joke, all right? I feel like if I was describing a Simpsons episode as a joke on this, like I did a, we did like we do an episode where we just make up an episode. It's not a real episode. I feel like we could do that, you know, in the 500 somewhere. Matt. So what you're saying is April Fool's Day next year. Maybe. Um, this sounds like its own podcast. This I'm, is like the Simpsons version of Theme Park This. There you go. I mean, make, make up your Simpsons episode. <laughs> that's what we'll do when we run out of episodes. We'll roll four. a random number on a table. It will come up with a stupid plot. In 12 years, Matt and I are going to just start making up Simpsons episodes after <laughs> after we run out. It can't be any crazier than what is actually going on. Because that, exactly, these literally, the tire fire gets so hot that it melts a glacier that's on, I guess, on top of Mount Springfield? Does, is there an answer to this? Why? There's sure. No... The answer is shut up and keep going. <laughs> See, you guys keep bouncing back and forth about the role of Mr. Simpson's writer. So it melts a nearby glacier, and uh, we get a report from Kent Brockman uh, on the peak. Kent Brockman here atop Mount Springfield, where the melting ice cap has revealed a discovery so gruesome we'll give you a moment to get the children out of the room. That's long enough. Here it is. A frozen mailman somehow buried in ice several decades ago. For further analysis, here's the one scientist who's always home when we call, Professor John Frank. Uh, based on the ice core samples and the size of the mailman's bell bottoms, let's measure that there, we have determined he was frozen sometime in the 1960s. Swinging for all except for me, I was making napalm to drop on to Nang. The post office has promised to deliver every letter in this 40-year-old mailbag. So get ready, Mr. Largo. <laughs> you were accepted to Juilliard. Ah, I got into Juilliard? I could have been stuck in chair with the Cincinnati Pops. I'm C3D2. Shut up, shut up, shut up. Poor Mr. Largo. He really gets it in the pants in this episode, and oh, that's right, all of the episodes. I, can I, I... <laughs> What's wrong, Robbie? I know. I know that the show doesn't want you to think about this for even a moment. Why is there a mailman on top of this mountain? <laughs> to deliver mail to the people who live on the mountain. It's unhispanic. He literally froze to death, which makes no sense. Did he just die of natural causes and then freeze? Why is there an ice cap on top of Mount Springfield? Uh, flash freezing, Robbie. Uh, you know, a, a storm came through and just uh, froze him in place. All right, day after tomorrow. Thanks. I like. Why are we? <laughs> like this. Like, there's just in this. Uh, that clip is less than a minute long. And Professor Frank made napalm. Yeah, I don't like that. Well, no, not a fan. No, thank you, Simpsons. Please, let's not. Do we have to reference? <laughs> do we have to reference war crimes? Do we have to? Do we have well, to do course, that? War crimes are funny if they if you talk about them far enough after they happened. Oh yeah, of course. All right. Hey, Mister Kissinger, you're not invited on this podcast. You you go back home. All right. <laughs> like why is this? Like why? Why would you? Do we have to make jokes about Professor Freak, a character that is innocuous uh, and harmless, making napalm? It's an, like unforced error. Don't do this. It's not hard. Don't reference war crimes and, and terror. Like I can't. Okay. So 
We f- I just want to say the mailman was flash frozen. Like he is like in process of delivering a letter. Yes. Right. He has like he's Which... got one leg out in front of the other. He was stepping. Yeah. What is going on here? How did this happen? <laughs> it, there, it doesn't matter. They don't want you to think about it for more than a moment. And it's a stupid because you can just you don't need all this crap to get to the plot. You literally you just start with a 30 second bit where they discover this mail in the corner somewhere. You don't have to have unfrozen 60s mailman to get a letter, (laughs) a long-lost letter to Homer. It's not complicated. But they do it anyway, probably because they had nothing else. I imagine they went... Here's my headcanon. Oh, no. Here's my headcanon. Dr. Colossus uh, has his his mountain lair, and so we had a freeze ray, and he froze the mailman thinking he was an intruder. Dr. Colossus that makes is way canon. more sense than anything going on in this uh, episode. What killed the dinosaurs? The, the Ice Age. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're doing the Mr. Freeze. I gotcha. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Robbie, you have to remember, we've all put Batman and Robin behind us. Hey, I'm going to argue to the I'll argue to my dying day that among all those first four Batman movies, Batman and Robin is actually the most tonally consistent. I mean, you're not wrong about consistency. That's that's accurate. Okay, both the Tim Burton Batman movies are incredibly tonally inconsistent. They're wacky, and then they're violent, and then they're brutal, and back and forth, back and forth. Batman you know, they're and Robin, also they're also good. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Do you oh, want Robbie? Oh no. Do you want to have this argument about? <laughs> I, I can't, Batman's fine. Ba- Batman Returns. Really? We're gonna we're gonna you're calling Batman Returns good? Yep. It's very good. Ooh. Oof, oof, oof. Very. I love Batman Returns. All right, y'all. I'll show myself out. Y'all have a good <laughs> one. Gonna say, I think we broke Robbie. Uh, we're going to have to go, guys. Love Sorry. It. Okay. We're gonna, uh, okay. Whatever. So we start, <laughs> we start delivering these letters. These long-lost letters. 40 years old. Um, how old is Professor Frank, by the way? Um, he is uh, eight he was an he was an, uh, an adult scientist in the sixties. No, 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 he was a child prodigy. He was twelve years old making napalm. Jesus, oh, kids I hate love that. making napalm. That's terrible, Matt. Please take that back. Don't ever can we <laughs> can we go back in time and so that never you never said those words aloud. Ooh, sorry. No. So we learned that Largo missed out, and basically, like Largo missed out on going to Juilliard. Uh, we learned that Mo is not allergic to pollen. So now he he missed his childhood because he never went out and played. And so we get a scene that probably only lasts 30 seconds, but it felt like it lasted three years, where Mo goes and jumps rope and says a rhyme with the twins, Sherry and Terry. That that might have been like 10 seconds, right? <laughs> it felt like eternity. I, it, I, it does feel like forever. It's really not a good... Like, there's... That's not a bit that should go on that long. You don't need that. That's not. It doesn't get funnier as you go. Um, eventually, eventually, my God, the entire first act is leading to this one moment where we finally get to the quote unquote plot of this episode where Homer and the family get a letter that was in, intended for Mona Simpson. Yeah, I got a 40-year-old letter here for Mrs. Abraham Simpson. My grandma? I haven't seen her in years. She ran away. Ran away from all this, huh? What a fool. Hey, Grandpa, we got a letter for Grandma. Open it up. This may be my last chance to invade her privacy. 
My dearest Mona, you've just left my arms to return to your husband, Abe, and already I ache for you. Mona cheated on me! I don't know how she found the time with her late-night pottery classes and supermarket trips that took all weekend. Lisa, I'm not sure that letter is age-appropriate reading. Why can't the government edit our mail like other countries? Uh-oh. I know I'm just a lifeguard, but I want you to run away with me. If you don't reply to this letter, I'll know that you've chosen to stay with Abe. But I know in my heart that the baby you're carrying is mine. <gasps> Love always. M. That's ridiculous. That was my baby in her belly. Look how happy we were. What the... Oh. Homer, that means your dad might not be your dad. I don't care what that letter said. This man raised me single-handedly. When I think of all the things he's done for me, how many times he... Lifeguard, huh? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it turns out if you're a terrible father, uh, your children won't like you and will be happy to believe someone else is their father for a while. We've determined, though, time after time, that Abe was not a terrible father. I can't. I don't even know where to start. I, I, I hate this. I hate, I hate it. <laughs> I, this is what this episode becomes, sort of. It doesn't really care too much about it, though. Honestly, it does it all very half-heartedly. I, but, like, what, if we want to have an episode about Mona cheating on Abe because she felt trapped in their marriage and it was the six days, so she really had no way out and divorce was a very different thing than it is now. Sure, let's do that. Let's have an all episode about that. But just to offhandedly, like, oh, yeah, Mona cheated on Abe all the time, man. You're like crazy. And you're like, and she's dead now. And you're like, oh. it's okay, Robbie. It's okay. She's we can not, get through this. She's not technically dead in the. She's dead now, you know? In our year, in 2021, Mona has died. But, you know, I don't, she's technically out on the run somewhere in season 17 of The Simpsons. But regardless, it's very much like, she's not here. And we're just going to, like, have a whole bunch of bits about, oh, yeah, she's, she she cheated on a bunch and then had a baby that might have been somebody else's. And you're like, oh. And then we're going to settle, like, like, Brian, you just said. We have we've had this episode multiple times where Homer goes, "Oh, Abe was a bad dad," and then he remembers, "No, Abe actually was a he was an okay dad. He was trying his best." Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was not a, he was not a good dad, but he was an okay dad. You know, he could have been right. worse. It was the sixties. There were lots of really bad dads in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> renowned bad dad decade, the sixties. I mean, renowned bad dad decade. Every decade before, like the two thousands. <laughs> I it's. There were good dads in, in all decades, man. It's just, it, we just didn't. There are, but there are a greater proportion of good dads now than there used to be. I think it's more of, as time has gone by, more people who don't want children aren't having them instead of having children and then being forced into a role they Ooh, don't really good want. Point. That is honestly the truth. But Abe is, was an okay dad trying his hardest. And frankly, that is good enough. Trying his hardest. And that is exactly what Homer is. Homer is trying his hardest. He loves his children. And he tries. That, the best Homer. You know, not this farce that we get in the teenage years yeah. of The Simpsons. But <laughs> that is honestly, that's the Homer we want to love. You know, where he's trying real hard to be a dad. And maybe, he, and sure, he messes up a lot. And Abe is the same thing. But it it doesn't, I don't need an episode where 
where we go like, oh, we need to have a paternity test to decide who Homer's real dad is. And it's never like what am I supposed to believe for even a moment that the Simpsons are going to go, oh, no, this was this other dude's Homer's dad now. And from now on, Mason is going to be in the show and Abe's just going to be forgotten about. Am I supposed to believe that? Uh I mean, he has a really cool boat, so I'd be okay with it. I mean, that would lead to a lot more Homer has a new job uh, ones because they, oh, Homer's going treasure hunting with his dad. That's a new thing. Homer's oh, fun. I, okay. We go to commercial. It's at, at, at like Indiana Jones. <laughs> we go to commercial at eight minutes and 12 seconds. Eight minutes and 12 seconds of nonsense. Oh, it's and it's going to get so much worse. So Homer starts speculating on who his father could be, because uh, at this point, he doesn't know that it's Mason Fairgreens. We do, because we've watched the rest of this horrible episode. Uh, he basically... We are, burdened. Uh, we are thinking, burdened with that knowledge that Homer is free of. Yes, uh, ignorance truly is bliss in this case. Uh, Abe is quite sure it's him, because if you squish up Homer's face, it looks just like Abe's. Uh, but it turns out, if you do that at the dog's butt, the same thing happens. Okay, so here... Uh, so apparently here. Abe's face is one of these nature... Th- I laughed at this, okay? I laughed at that that (laughs) Bart could squish up the dog's butt and make it look like Abe, and Abe goes, look at, look at, hey hey there, handsome. Like that, you got me, all right? You got me. I also enjoyed the mailman, his sardonic remarks about Mona running away from this life. All this. Yeah, that was, I got, I enjoyed that as as well. There's, uh, there's, there are a few jokes in here that I either laughed at or at least appreciated, it's something. It's it's something. It's a laugh in an otherwise humorless episode. It is also incredibly like for an episode that has so much wacky stuff in it. It's really boring. That it is. It's like it's weird, but not funny weird. <laughs> so. <laughs> so season goes se- to the library. Season seventeen of The Simpsons. I mean, really, season what fourteen through what's, what's, whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. Al- the Al yeah. years writ large. Yeah, there you go. Mm. So uh, Homer goes to the library and finds a book of a list of all of the, li- uh, the lifeguards in Springfield uh, from a certain year to a certain year that I didn't care to look at. Why? I think it was just at the 20th century. Robbie, uh, that's a trivia question in the future for you. Why? Go for it. There you go. Why? Why? Why is this a book? Why are we doing this? Because this they, is they the needed stupidest... him to find out, and this was the stupidest way. I cannot imagine. Like, he can't. They can't even have a scene where Homer goes to an old person and says, do you remember the lifeguards from the pool? We go to he goes to a life a book about Springfield lifeguards. This is the scene we get. Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of write these things off as like, OK, fine. It's like it's it's like the uh, the book of uh, Springfield uh, criminals that the Italian police have. That's also very bad, Brian. <laughs> In an otherwise, if the episode was otherwise good, I would not care. But when you are, when it's just a a cavalcade of calamity, I'm gonna pick apart your stupid book. I'm sorry. Write a better episode. I won't be so critical. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Hey, man. They also have Springfield Fry Cooks and Springfield Night Watchmen of the 20th century. That was an incredibly important job, Fry Cooks. Hey, I mean, they are very important jobs, but not the kind of thing you want to put into a book because it's probably it should be a much larger book, I would assume. Well, that's that's only A through E is the book that he has on the table there. Oh, OK, good, good, because there, there should be a lot more of them. Yeah, that's a lot of volumes they have to have. I'm so tired. Right. This is. All right. So uh, we're going we're gonna to try and keep Robbie awake. 
uh, by saying that, oh, there was only one lifeguard with the first name that starts with an M in the Springfield in the 20th century. Can I – I'm, I'm asking another question. Oh, no. This is a letter to Mona Simpson, correct? Huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. How did it make it to the house? And this guy is having an affair with her, this Mason. Right. He's having an affair. Yeah, one. How does it get to the new house? <laughs> Who knows? Oh, no. Robbie's asking even more questions than he had in the first place. Two, why is it addressed to Mrs. Abe Simpson? You can't write letters to women in the 60s? Not in the 60s, no. no. You're not allowed? Women were allowed to get mail. They weren't allowed to have bank accounts or credit cards. It, it was, you know. That's not true. It's a different time. That's not true, Matt. You're lying. That's not Those are. That's not facts. I mean, women weren't allowed to have bank accounts without their husband's uh, approval in the 60s. I know I, that to be true. Women could receive mail in the 60s, Matt. That is what I'm saying. Women could get a letter in the 60s. I don't know. Sounds pretty liberal to me. And... And this man is having an affair. Why would, on earth would he send a letter to addressed to Mrs. Abe Simpson? Why would, if there, why, like, is he worried that Abe's going to intercept this letter? Why on earth would he mail it at all? Wouldn't he just hand it off to her? No? Like, it's so, this is so, I, every moment it makes me hurt more. Like, why is he only put, his name is M. Wouldn't he write Love Mason? If, if Abe finds it, then he won't know who to kill. That's a fair point. <laughs> anyway, moving along, uh, Homer finds out that there was only one Springfield lifeguard in the 20th century that had a first name starting with M, and it's Mason Fairbanks. No Mikes? So Homer, no Mikes, no Marks, no Mitches? No, Robbie. We, we, we've been over this. No, none of those people exist. We have no, not. Those names we have, didn't even we, exist. We have not been over this, Matt. There's, I just, it's just like any moment of examining, it's just like, well, you can't, like, this is such a stupid reveal. All of this is so stupid. There's so many fun ways. Homer is literally, this is the plot of this episode. Homer is trying to find his long lost father that he might have. Abe might not. Mm -hmm. And like that is an inherently very exciting, dramatic reveal. And you know how they have Homer find this information out? He goes to a library and looks up in a, looks in a book. He doesn't become a detective. He doesn't go around and ask. He doesn't go and dig through like secret information. He just goes to a he goes well, and goes, a, th- this would be a, an amazing montage and they just ignore that. And despite the fact that the Simpsons love montages. I'm getting angrier by the moment. Well, get ready to increase that anger. Oh, cool. Start yeah. counting now. So uh, Homer goes to meet Mason Fairbanks, who it turns out lives in a giant mansion. Uh, and Homer is, as we've said, really bad at this. Can I help you? Uh, yes, I'm a reporter with a local paper. I'm doing a story on people who wear sweaters. Do you mind if I ask you some questions? I'd be delighted, but I must warn you, I don't wear a sweater every day. Interesting. Interesting. So I infer from all the knickknacks you're some sort of fruitcake? <laughs> no. Actually, I salvage valuables from sunken ships. Some call me a treasure hunter. Oh, that is so cool. Ooh, a dish of shrunken heads. Those are raisins. They don't have any shrunken heads. Well, my hat size is a number six. Ah! It is small, right? It's smaller than average. Ah! Ah! And this is the lady in my life. 
Uh, you know it's a boat, right? Indeed I do. I loved a real woman a long time ago, but uh, it didn't work out. <gasps> well, uh, I'm sure my listeners would love to know the story behind that name. Listeners? I thought you worked for a newspaper. No, well, uh, I said I work for a radio station. 980 on the AM dial, but number one with our viewers. Viewers? Wouldn't that be for a TV station? Uh, well, I... I think you're my pappy! What? I found this letter you wrote to my mom, Mona Simpson. Dear God, I always dreamed this day would come. And now that it's here, there are so many feelings I... I... <laughs> oh, possible daddy. I'm sorry, I got a little carried away there. Perfectly all right. Here's your gum back. Oh. So... Yeah, Matt, uh, you Matt is there a way levels. that I can delete files on your computer? <laughs> there is not. <laughs> I relish that, in fact. I, you just play this clip again, and... <laughs> it's okay, Robbie, it's okay. Breathe through your feelings. Oh, no. Robbie's dying. <laughs> It's okay, Robbie. Robbie, I'm gonna make you feel better. I feel like uh, because the next thing we have is the bullies beating up William H Macy on public access TV. <laughs> I can't match that clip. It is like, what is this clip for? What is the purpose of this? Uh, it's to show that Homer is bad at any type of subtlety, uh, or thinking, or emotional intelligence, or just in general being a person. I okay. I'm, we're gonna break this down, Matt. We're gonna do this. Oh, do we have to? We have to. I'm gonna do it because it it, okay. it it it's important. It's important. In this episode, Mason has to be a character. Okay, we're gonna engage with this episode on on at at like it's a Simpsons episode. Like they're trying to build. Like when you watch Mother Simpson, you buy Mona as a person, right? Mm-hmm. Well, of course. Okay. So ideally, if we're discovering that you know Mona was Homer, was Homer's long lost mother. Mason is his actual father. We need to buy Mason as a real character, as a person, just like we buy an Amona as a person. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we meet Mason. And ideally, this scene has a purpose. And the purpose is to is introduce Mason as a person, to get us to identify with him, to like him, and to, and to make us more interested in this, in this possible plot. If Mason is a bad guy, if he's a, if he's boring, if he's stupid, we're not going to like it. We're not going to like the rest of this episode because Mason is important to it. So it's important for we have to you have to engage your audience, get them to like this character, make this character funny and interesting, and make him feel real. Give him depth and nuance, which is difficult to do. Real quick, Robbie, I just want to point out this is very similar to how we met Herb uh, when we first met Homer's half brother Herb. Uh, you had to make him into an interesting person. And give him, make him a little bit gruff. He has these opinions on things, and it worked in that episode. <laughs> yeah, they've done it before. Multiple long lost Simpsons family members, and we get a bit with Homer pretending to be a reporter, and then a radio station, like just you know just that bit going on with Homer not knowing what a shrunk, like shrunk. We have a bit about shrunken heads, and Mason having a size six, like. Like I, is that a joke? They think it is. The writers think so. I yeah, I'm sorry. They, they I'm going to be the so. Simpsons writer. Well, well, yes, of course it's a joke. 
I'm like, he doesn't have a size six head. He has a, a relatively normal sized head for a man his his age and his size. I mean, that's true, but he said it was slightly less than average. So, but a size six is like I are they just banking on the fact that no one has measured their own head before and bought a hat? I mean, Robbie, do you know what size hat or size your head is for a hat? Yeah, I do. Oh, well, then you buy more hats than me because I have no clue. <laughs> I always buy the the adjustable ones. I could go look at one of my hats. And I'm a tw- I'm a 21. I'm a 20. I have a big head. I'm a 21, 22. I have a big head. Oh, wow. So size six is very tiny then? Size six is not. I, it's like a child. I like I don't. That's the thing. Like they just make up a number, I guess. Like I, I have bought a hat for myself before. I bought fitted hats. Like I don't know if that's. But that's just one. Th- but again, nitpicking. These are just it doesn't really matter. It's just it's not funny. He has a small head. And he doesn't have he's a treasure hunter. He doesn't have shrunken heads like I don't care. Like, what does this have to do? And Mason, here's the other thing. I really want to key on this. Where where Homer finally reveals, I have this letter that you sent to Mona 40 years ago. And I think I might be your son. It is, Homer himself never engages with this with true emotion. There is not a moment of where, oh, this is Homer engaging with this man as a human being. Homer is just a cartoon character in this. This is Captain Wacky engaging with what might be his his actual father. When Homer engages with Mona and goes, Mom, there is there is like genuine emotion there, genuine heart. When Homer meets her for the first time, genuine emotion, genuine heart. You, it helps connect. Her. We love Homer. So when Homer connects to Herb, when he connects to Mona with genuine emotion, genuine heart, it makes us want to connect to them even if we don't know much about them because Homer obviously cares about them. He has this connection to them. He's seeking it out. In this, he goes, oh, I'm a reporter and my listeners and shrunken heads. And then Mason's, I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. Mr. Treasure Hunter, you, you, are you telling me that you've been wistful for a woman you had an affair with 40 years ago? And that's all the, you've never had relationship again in your entire life? I mean, I believe that's what they're trying to get across. They just do it in a way. Like, we needed more time. Uh, we needed more buildup with Mason. Like, they had gotten rid of all the smoke damage and toll road and other stupid crap oh, those, they could have had more time but those are well, to we gotta have those very important jokes and inciting incidents but mm, oh no i'm turning important. into mr simpson's writer oh no <laughs> it, it turns out sarcasm and cynicism are aligned very well with simpson's writer's <laughs> attitude at this point <laughs> i guess that's true it's it you never engage with him as a real person and like it does he's not believable if he had if he was a recent widow or if he had other a family that he that he's obviously retired that they're not with him anymore, like that makes sense. Are you telling me that this man just has been alone for his entire life, and his boat's name is literally uh, the the son I never had, the or son like I never had? You're like he's been he had a he was a lifeguard. He was a lifeguard, a young person. He had an affair with a married woman send her a letter and then that was i oh and he's he's been he's a globetrotting gallivanting like indiana jones for 40 (laughs) years and you're telling me he's wistful over the affair he a fling he had when he was a lifeguard in springfield well obviously robbie that's how good mona was 
Let's not even get into that. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> slut. Sh- I don't want to slut shame Mona Simpson. Okay, this is what this episode does to me. Where we have to discuss this. Where I have to say the phrase "slut shame Mona Simpson." Like, wh- why Simpsons writers? Why are you doing this to me? But that's. Because they don't like. But body. this is it. They have this opportunity to establish Mason Fairbanks as a real person, as a real character that we have a connection to. But they make jokes about shrunken heads. Indeed, they do. Yeah. So we're gonna move past this before Robbie's. Uh, uh, you know, let's talk about it for another half versus. hour. I could. T- I literally could dissect the scene for another half hour. That's like literally could do that. I'm not going to, but I could. I, I don't. I, well, I really want to forget this existence. <laughs> That's yeah, longer than the writers spent on it. That's I. That is one hundred percent true because I don't know if this all like I. Uh, I'm gonna take this moment to say that I believe it was this past week there was an interview of John with John Schwartzwelder released. Uh, you should go. Uh, you can go to the Simpson Show Twitter, and I posted the link there. But you can just Google John Schwartzwelder interview, and you'll probably get it. Um, you know, long. Long famed, like incredibly talented, very funny John Swartzwelder. Uh, never has done an interview in his entire life. Appears in a, a, a commentary track for one episode for a, literally a minute uh, while he's cooking a steak. <laughs> and this is the first long form interview he's ever done. It's really good, really informative. He's also still incredibly funny. The internet, the the interview is really funny. Uh, he even mentions Homer's enemy once, and I. It makes me. It made me. His answer made me laugh. Uh, still, um, and he talks about at one point he mentions the the what they did to make Simpsons episodes. You know the the their their procedure, and I cannot. I cannot for a second believe that they went through all this for this episode. It, this is just feels like a first draft. Feels like something you write in a couple hours and then you take it back and you redo it a couple times to make it better, but. They maybe they did spend days on this. If they did, I don't. Did they just, just like have it on the table while they talked maybe about they have terrible senses of humor? Did they maybe they had it on the table while they talked about like the new Wolverine movie or something? Okay, on that note, I have to stop because no, no more. Okay, so uh, the bullies beat up William H Macy on public access television uh, because he wants to promote independent film. Uh, love, understandable. Love, love William H Macy. Uh huh. Well, I think we all do. He's a great uh, actor. Yeah. Meanwhile, the family. Sorry, Brian. Oh, no, I said, yeah, that's sad. <laughs> He's getting beaten up there. This is, I mean, yeah. this is his, you know, but he he gets to be himself. He gets to say something, how important independent movies are. Then he gets beaten up by bullies. So there's something. Which is probably something that he actually agrees with. So yeah, he does. Go. He does. Yeah. So uh, meanwhile, the family goes out on the boat uh, with Mason, search for sunken treasures. Um, and they don't actually do any of that, but that's supposedly why they're out I, there. I mean, I think they're just they, on the boat to be on a boat i think he's mentioning sunken treasures i mean that makes okay plenty of sense okay i have more questions now you you saying Uh that triggers some questions what what was that what was it sadness (laughs) oh no the the questions you ask are never fun questions robbie i'm sorry i'm really sorry this is the way i built okay maybe try to ask some more fun questions robbie fun questions i'm sorry (laughs) i'm really sorry (laughs) that my questions about the simpsons are not fun so Mason Fairbanks is an, I assume, internationally renowned treasure hunter. Right. Wealthy. Supposedly. I mean, he has a giant boat. That boat would cost at least a million dollars. 
Oh, at least. Probably several million. Especially if it's outfitted for treasure hunting, which is not the kind of boat you want to go just hang out on. It's probably not very comfortable. Right. So, and he has a giant mansion. Yeah, so I'm like, okay. And he he lives in Springfield? Sure. Okay. That's you gotta a- stay where, you know, you lifeguarded. Okay. That's the rule. He lives in Springfield. And in the scene, he talks to the family. He's like, yeah, there's this renowned treasure... Uh, emeralds uh, by from sunk from Spanish galleons. Uh, it's like an incredible amount of treasure. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's a day trip away, a few hours out well, in yeah, the ocean. That, that's the way sunken treasures work. They're out there, and you don't even know them. Yeah, but There's only certain he people knows, realize. He knows where it is, man. He has a map, right? Supposedly. Why is he getting it now? Why is he waiting till this m- moment? to get this maybe he just got the map he he lost it in his laundry and just found it he needed a companion he needed his son yeah, he, he can go down by himself it's too risky but he can bring his completely untrained possible son down with him you guys read a transcript exactly. from the writer's room when they were coming up with this episode or <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, this is... i hate to say this we actually were the writers of this episode oh no surprise well, I, I was 19 <laughs> <laughs> which you know speaks a lot to you know my writing skills as a 19-year-old. I was going to say, I don't, I was not a good writer when I was 19. I was certainly better than what this episode is. Like, I understood plot. <laughs> I'd taken college classes on literature. Uh, I'm just, that's why I'm like, it's just all, like, it's just so convenient. It's so, everything is just like, oh, it's now it's showing up because the Simpsons are here. <sighs> so. Uh, while they're out on the boat, they invite Mason to dinner uh, because that's what you do with your possible father. Uh, but it turns out Abe is there, and uh, Abe, Abe, Abe not happy about this. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, old timer, I'd like you to meet Mason Fairbanks. You! First you stole my wife, and now you're trying to steal my family. Perhaps I couldn't have stolen anyone had you given them uh, what they needed. I was busy telling young people to get a haircut. Mason, come see my room. Homer, look what this is doing to Grandpa. We have to settle this question once and for all with a paternity test. I'll take any test you want. Eye test, pap test, memory test, memory test, Finney test of Verdi, Ferrari test of Rosa. Grandpa, stop! Never! President's physical fitness test, seal test ice cream, tester's airplane glue. Ferrari test of Rosa, got a giggle out of me. I, Brian, I, how dare you? (laughs) What on earth? This, I this is my... Of all the things I've already described, I this is the thing I hate the most in this entire episode is this bit. Wow, this really? Testing bit. This is what this is what we got. This I knew you would hate it. That's why I captured it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. This uh, Abe vamping, like Abe doing bad improv, like what? <laughs> this is what we got. This is the best we got. This is this literally sound. This is I I would bet. I would bet good money that this literally is them going, hey, Dan, do some do some improvs about tests. Just list a bunch of tests and we'll just, you know, cut the best of it. This is exactly what happened. You're right. Yeah, this is not written. This isn't they didn't write down tests. They went, hey, Dan Castellaneta, do improv. I don't I'm I'm not watching this. I am not watching unless your name. (sighs) If unless your name is Albert Brooks. You're not allowed to, like, 
why are they why would they do this can they just not i i why and okay did we wait till now to do a dna test well, up until now, they weren't sure they wanted Mason in their family. But now it's obvious, oh, they do, and Grandpa's getting mad. Let's figure out who it is so, if necessary, we can kick Grandpa out of the curb. I mean, here, I'm going to be strictly a very cynical person and say, like, Mason's real rich. You might want to establish, like, biological connection, you know, maybe get some of that money. I mean, that sure. would be the ideal for the Simpson family. Like, oh, yes, we're definitely related. How about that will? I mean, that's just me being, like, a cynical monster, but... I, it, like, it, is it not? I I feel like I'm a crazy person again. Like I'm in, like I'm a nor- I'm Frank Grimes, where I'm just a normal person inserted into the Simpsons world, and they have to like they have some long lost person they think might be Homer's dad. They don't immediately just go do a DNA test to determine all this. No, Robbie, that's silly. Ma- and Mason's like, yeah, come on aboard, hold, bring your whole family. Bring I feel a- like the both of them just wanted it so much that you know they just want wanted to believe it. I don't know. Yeah, Mason wanted to have a son. Homer wanted a different father. They were like, yeah, we'll go with this. Uh, Why does Homer want a different dad? Why does Homer want a different dad than Abe? Doesn't he like Abe? Because Homer, no, no, he's forgotten all the good things that Abe did for him and only remembered the crappy things, like telling him that he'll never be president and letting him sit too close to the TV and, you know, uh, calling him stupid. You know, the usual things that we remember about uh, Abe. Okay. The Simpsons has given us a ton of examples of Abe being a terrible father, and a few of him being a good father, I, and I, it, we're supposed to believe they balance out. I, I'm, I, I just, okay. So, as I don't know, I, I'm really struggling. Like I am so. This is so challenging to me. Um, I really do think it's also very funny that uh, I just noticed this that uh, Brian, as our guest in our show notes, is been given the manatee icon. So that's great. Um, <laughs> makes good memories. It just wants us to remind us of Bonfire of the Manatees, Robbie. I, I, yeah, I know. It is literally just. I just. I looked up in the corner and I was like, "Oh, it's a manatee." Oh, <laughs> um, I my memory of you know what? I'm not going to say. Oh, you have to, to say strictly in continuity with all the other Abe episodes. I don't. I know they don't work like that, but. My general feeling about Abe as a father is he was flawed and he tried his best and Homer and him have a, a an okay relationship. If Homer immediately, literally the drop of a hat goes, I'd love a new dad. That means his old, that means his relationship with that, with Abe is like so toxic and poisonous and it doesn't mesh with reality. It makes no sense. If Homer's like cautious and tentative, like, oh, I'm going to meet this man who might be my real dad. I should like, even if we don't really have a connection, like I, at no point do they ever engage with this question. Like real people, not even close. They're just cartoon characters. <sighs> and that's the way they like it. Ah, what happens to the DNA test, man? I'm sure it's not gonna make me upset. No, it's definitely not going to make you upset because we find out uh, at the DNA test, which is done in Dr. Hibbert's office, uh, where y- you can do DNA tests. That's the way these things work. Right away, right? Uh, we find out that – right away, right away. Within minutes, we find out that, oh, Mason is the father. Maury Povich even comes out to like, give us that information. That would be cool. I'd like that. Not really. I wouldn't like that. I felt it, dirty saying that. It won't even stand up to a moment of the bit. You're like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. No. We don't even want this. No one wants can't this. Can't pretend. So Mason, it, it remind, 
it reminds me of the uh oh, what was it the oh uh, uh i think the the treehouse of horror with uh, dr phil or no 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 the treehouse of horror with uh with jerry springer at the end of it and i, I was like oh, oh I, yes 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 oh and i just it reminded me of that and i'm like no i i, I don't want to stick with this ruse uh mason so mason's abe's is mason is homer's dad now abe isn't anymore Yep, that's what we're, we're being told. Yes. Have you not been paying attention in the recent seasons with all that Mason Fairbanks content we've been getting? <laughs> oh, Brian, you really know how to push his buttons. <laughs> I mean, knows. I've been listening to you do for seventeen seasons now. He knows. Uh, yeah, Brian knows. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Great, love it, love it. I'm sure this is totally believable. This is definitely not going to get reversed to the last second. Nope. So what? What happens next, man? Oh, sorry. I forgot I have to spell this out. That's the end of the act. We go to a commercial. Oh, thank you. I need to hear the words. Uh, we need come, to hear the word commercial. I need to hear the words commercial. We go. We come back 16 minutes and five seconds into act three. Um, And we have the Marge and the kids visiting Abe. And this, honestly, is the best scene in the episode. See, Abe, we're still visiting you, even though we have no biological obligation. You've said that three times already. Well, then you think of something. I guess Homer couldn't make it, huh? No, but he told us to say hi. Hi. So, what setting is that fan on? Medium. Hmm. I would have guessed low. You would have guessed wrong. I genuinely enjoyed this scene. <laughs> oh, see, I'm the opposite. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's the best written scene in the this, the episode, but it's like that I get that physical pain with, from the uncomfortableness of it. Oh, yeah, same. It's, same. Oh, it's like, it, it makes it me so, so uncomfortable. I, I like it, mo- ma- like, it is the only honest scene in this entire episode. That's fair. It's the only scene that is a, that this, is a rarity in Simpsons episodes. It's the these only days. scene in this episode that treats what the situation would really be like. Because that's this is this is honest. This is true. Like this is if this treats this scene is the it, it, it's strange. Like it feels so weird because the scene is uncomfortable and awkward when the whole rest of this episode is just full of insanity and, and cartoon logic. And you're, you're it like you're like why did they write? They say people wrote this scene as they wrote the rest of this episode. Did they just like do it for fun? Like, what would be? What if we treated this seriously? Um, and the the delivery by uh, Yardley Smith on I would have guessed it was low. I just <laughs> I I it really makes me smile. I really like that was it's a really good scene uh, for for the actors because they get to I guess be real people for a second. Um, I like the awkwardness of. He said to say hi. 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 <laughs> yeah, this looks a good. There's a good pause there. It's good. Yeah, there's time. I think that's the other thing. Like, I just any scene that has a of space so I can breathe, that it feels like I'm not just being assaulted. It's just constant. Speaking of assault, Homer goes on a treasure hunt with Mason. We cut from this very, I don't know, awkward and uncomfortable scene with Marge and the kids and Abe. To Homer on a treasure hunt with Mason. See, see to me, this is an effective contrast because you, you've got the the boringness of Abe contrasted with the exciting life that Mason leads and that Homer wants to lead. So I think this was actually a pretty interesting transition. Matt, 
I would agree with you mm-hmm. if it was not connected to this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the fact that it's part of this episode makes it absolute garbage. But it and any other form of entertainment, it'd be effective. Yeah, like yeah. You know, if the rest of the episode was constructed well, yeah, it would I would say I would I see that's the problem. Maybe they did that intentionally. Maybe they did go maybe, maybe they went Marge and the kids visiting Abe, it's awkward, and then we're gonna cut to this exciting scene with Homer and Mason and Homer's with his new dad and they're doing a fun adventure. And like, look at this, this contrast, look at this transition. And maybe they did that on purpose, but I'm not going to give them the credit for that because the rest of this episode is a piece of crap. Like they don't know what they're doing. Like, why would I believe that? I think this was an accident. And their intent should be clear. Like if we, if we see this and we're like questioning it, it's, it's a problem. Good, good point, Ryan. I, it is, it, you should not leave your audience confused at any point. Certainly not unless it is the point. If you want it in, in if this a hey, if if this if the writers wanted me to be confused, good job. You got you got it you got it that you got that down. So they're in little tiny submarines. Like James Cameron. <laughs> and we are on we're in the ocean and they uh they scour the waters and they we go on a little a little adventure as they 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 they, they swim i guess soar sail i don't know what what's underwater traversal called oh that's a good question with a submarine drive yeah do they drive the submarines whatever they uh they see uh, all the pilot. sites they pilot, they, they pilot the submarines through the, this underwater tableau where we see uh, normal ocean stuff, and then we get radioactive ocean stuff because, of course, there's nuclear waste from the plant on the bottom of the ocean, and all the, sh- the fish are, like, glowy and mutated. Um, and Why they... was the Piso Mojado so close to Springfield? Oh, uh, Springfield in this episode is on the Spanish main. Did you guys miss that that cue card at the beginning? Oh, Springfield in this episode is somewhere in, like, South Carolina. Oh, okay. I missed that. A lot of people did. It, it was pretty <laughs> tiny. It was just the beginning there. Okay. Don't the answer is don't think about it. It's just it's convenient. This 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 boat can like go the speed of sound, so they are actually like really they traveled very far south very quickly. Um, so they 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 go on a treasure hunt. Uh, doesn't really make sense the context of this episode. They go and they find treasure. They grab it with their submarines. So they got treasure like, like you do giant treasure chest filled with gems. No. Nope. Homer's rich now. That's I, cool. I was gonna say, like, this is it's trans. This is a transformative amount of wealth. Like, this would literally erase all the Simpsons problems forever. Well, I, I mean, almost as much as having a rich father. Almost. So they find the treasure. Is it wrong that I, during this scene where it's supposed to be like a very exciting adventure, I am just bored out of my mind? No, because that's the correct response to. Homer getting stuck in a stupid arch thingy and not realizing that, oh, all he has to do is go backwards. Yeah, there's no danger. It, uh, it doesn't seem dangerous at all, especially when he like when he wipes the brow of the, the submarine with the robot arm. And you're like, OK, this is this is not serious at all. I don't care anymore. So he gets stuck. Homer gets the submarine stuck. It's real funny. It's hilarious. Um and we're it, and he's uh he's worried, you know, oxygen is low, even though there's probably oxygen supply in that thing for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Um whatever. When uh, you keep gasping though, it, it wastes the oxygen. 
All right, Simpsons writer. How about you be quiet for a little bit? How about you shut up? All right. How about you shut up, Simpsons writer? I've had enough out of you. Uh, Homer bangs his head uh, while he's trying to get out of there, and he remembers life with Abe. And it was like, I. And it's just, it's like, I don't even know what these seeds are supposed to. I, I think they're supposed to make me feel like, oh, oh Homer actually had an okay childhood. But they're all bits. Every, there's three of them. Every single one. All three bits. Like the mm-hmm. first the mm-hmm. first one is Abe dangles keys in front of Homer. Homer grabs the keys and drives off with his car when Abe's when Homer's like three or four or five or something. The second one is Homer. Well, we see a picture of oh, Homer saying a picture of uh, a child's drawing of Abe and Homer saying, I drew this of you. And then it's, it cuts and shows that Homer is a teenager. I like I I think I like that bit, but it definitely doesn't do anything to, uh, you know, make us feel like this relationship was a good one. Like, I, yeah, like how is this touching? I want to like the the third bit is the only one that is actually. I feel like I felt anything where we have Homer on his wedding day and Abe giving him an envelope of money, which then gets stolen by a seagull. Uh huh. Yeah, we don't get anything along the lines of. Uh, uh, was it the Simpsons and Son the Sons episode, the uh, sexual inadequacy, mm-hmm. uh, where he finds the picture of Abe with um, dressed as Santa? As, as Santa, yeah. Yeah, like that is a legitimately touching moment. And these, like, we're, we're like, okay, we're treating all of this as a joke, so why do we care? You can't, I just, I just want some real character moments in this. That's all I want. It doesn't have to be all of it. Just give me something. And there's a, that third bit is the only one that has anything where it's like, oh, Abe gave him money at his wedding, even though he didn't have any, like, but it's still, it's cash. Can we get like, it's like the, just give me a metaphor. Give me like, like you just said, Abe dressing up as Santa Claus. It is not just literally like him handing Homer a present. It is a investment of time and energy, and it and it clearly and quickly demonstrates Abe love for his son. And then it's just like, oh, Abe hands him an envelope of money, and then a seagull steals it. And you're like, okay. And they have Abe say like, it's I, you know, it's it's not a lot, but it's all I could, it's all I have. And like that is, and like him saying that is the only thing that is actually like effective to me like mm-hmm. I, i'm like okay finally something i can grab onto where i go oh homer does love abe homer did have a good uh, an okay childhood it's something and when there's literally that that one picture of abe dressed like santa claus is more impactful than anything that happens in this entire episode i'm not saying you gotta outdo the old grandpa episodes but you have to try you have to try so we are finally at the final scene of this episode. Homer wakes up in a hospital. I'm going to play. I'm going to have a clip. It's called Homer wakes up and the episode ends. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, you've been in a coma for three days. They had to feed you through a tube. Oh, homie, I always believed you were going to make it, no matter what that pushy casket salesman said. Well, Homer, now that you're alive again, I'll leave you with your real family. Wait, can we have a moment in private? Of course. As I lay dying on the ocean floor, I remembered everything you've done for me. To hell with that stupid DNA test and its 99.99997% accuracy. 
You're my dad and I love you. I love you too, Homer. Oh. And now there's something I've got to tell you. I really am your father. Oh! But how? After seeing how happy you were with Horatio Homewrecker, I made a decision. I switched the names on the DNA samples. Then I put my name first on the list for a new heart. <laughs> my old one's fine, but you never know. Only a true father would lead his son to believe he belonged to someone else. Oh, Dad. Oh, man. No. Now, why don't you stay for dinner? It would be my pleasure, son. Send up two hams. <laughs> hey, this one's cold. <laughs> that's how they use feeding tubes, right? Yep, that's how feeding tubes work. Uh, to make it clear, the feeding... Lisa, when she introduces, they had to feed you through a tube. The tube is massive. It is like a dip. It's like a giant PVC pipe. A size, and uh, they shoot turkeys and hams out of it. Oh, that terrible, disgusting noise. <laughs> <laughs> With a splashing. Uh, I'm not sure if I hate it or love it, honestly, uh, because I think I, I think it's funny only because I I picture Yardley Smith having to, like, deliver that line and be serious about it. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. That idea, not really the line itself, uh, they had to feed you. you. Hey, you guys, you get it? Homer's fat. He had to be fed through a tube. Um, um, that's a that's it. That's the end. That's the no, end of the there's episode. More. There's more. I think. Really? What is it? Uh, I mean, unless you're in denial, we 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 Homer learns that the stove is hot. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> denial, it is then. And can I like? What is this? What is this? What is this entire episode? What is this ending? What is this? What is this crap? What is this? Well, they have to go back to the status quo, Robbie, at the end. And the easiest way to do that is with a heartfelt conversation. I don't care. A heartfelt conversation is totally fine. What Abe switched the labels himself. Yes, Abe has access to all kinds of incredibly sensitive medical uh, you know, paperwork. What is his reasoning? He wanted Homer to be happy. I... I can't, I, I, like, I'm really, my mind is racing. I'm trying to rationalize this in some way. This is the behavior of an insane person. Like, a bit, like you have, okay, uh, I get, I long lost letter to my dead, my, not dead, my forgotten, <laughs> ran away, R-U-N-N-O-F-T wife. And you, and it's, oh yeah, your son might be someone else's son. You're, you might have a different. Uh, the father might be your wife had an affair, and it might, he might be the the father of your son. And Homer is like, "Yeah, I want a new dad." And Abe's response is instead of like having like honest discussion with him, he goes, "Yeah, let's just give him a new dad. What? He'll be happier that way." What? No, if I have looking for it to make sense. It's not going to make sense. Okay, I just I it, I know. I actually I have I have a reason in my head, but I'm saving it for our next segment. So that I can, oh. I'm going to save it, but it makes this episode entirely different thing, which is perfectly fine. Uh, cause what it is now is bad. Um, what happened to Mason, by the way, he wandered off. Yeah, I know. He left the room with the family. We don't, what, what did he do after? Uh, he decided to just be friends. Went and swam in his, uh, all of his jewels. 
like Scrooge McDuck. Is he, is he scrooged it up? Which he did not share with the family, despite the fact that Homer helped him get them. I was going to say, does he not... Wait, what happened to his jewels? Do we not care? Does he not also... Does, did I, He must have... Like, the only thing I think is that he, he like, oh, you're not my son anymore, so goodbye. Yeah. It's the only thing I can think of, because the, the, the family doesn't get any money from the incalculable amount of jewels and wealth that would bring. No? Well, maybe know. maybe Mason is donating those to the uh, into a museum or something. He has enough money. And the thing about people with money, though, is that they, they think that uh, because they have enough money, everyone has enough money. And then they can just give it away to people who don't need it. I think he would just keep it. That'd be my, my guess is what Mason would do. But, like, Mason is gone forgotten forever. Like, they say, oh, yeah, we need to return this status quo. Yeah, Mason, the money, the the things that happen in this episode, you didn't wrap them up. You didn't do anything. They just walk out of the room and we're supposed to forget they exist. Yep. <laughs> Don't have much of an answer to that. Yeah, uh, you're right. So upsetting. So upsetting. Um, makes it more upsetting is that the only uh, the only review in the reception area of Wikipedia for this episode says this episode's funny with a lot of heart, calling it a great episode. Uh like okay um this episode is real bad i don't like it not good <laughs> you're correct sir not a yeah. good ep- it's not good i'm sorry brian i apologize that i had to, i that this is the episode but i'm sorry you don't got much choice there's just i forgive you oh that's sweet um we'll rank it at the end of the show hey matt hey robbie is this episode broken uh, yeah yeah it is no you were right the first time with that quick fix idea Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Uh-huh. This episode's absolutely... Like, how many inciting incidents are there? At least three. Hmm. Yeah, at least three. Yeah, there was Probably the more. smoke warehouse. There was the the toll road. Toll road leads to the uh, the tire fire. Tire fire leads them to the, the ice thing. The mailman and then letter. And the, yeah. Yeah. Good God. Like, can we just not find a... They can't literally start with a cold open to, a, like, a shot of a bag of mail in the corner of Springfield. Like, in a, in a room that no one's ever been in. And then a, we follow the mail bag go at, along its route. Here, this is it. Here, how, Here's how to fix this episode. You start with that cold open shot of a mail bag in shadow. And a mailman... It's the same mailman. It's Charles Bronson mailman opening up uh the door and like how old is this mail uh we got to get it out there so he goes and delivers the mail and then we have the shot of mr largo mo we get to see all these people getting their mail delivered and guess what no no jokes about professor frank making napalm that's good uh that's a, a added bonus i mean that's bad if you need to fill this episode with something you fill it with character and and like heart and and jokes matt Robbie, those things take way too much time. Hacky jokes about uh, scientists making napalm and toll booths and, and smoke damage. Th- those are what people want to hear. I don't mind smoke. Smoke damage warehouse is completely fine. Uh, smoke and Joe Frazier makes it worth it. I'm just here because my name has smoke in it. Perfect. That's great. Love you. Love you, <laughs> Joe Frazier. Um, that's fine. It doesn't really belong in this episode, but it's a fine joke. Like, disconnect from everything else. Um the mail, and then we get the reveal of, oh no, I got, and now we have more time. We have all this time to play around with, to have fun scenes with the family doing stuff. We can have a whole, and if you want to have this first act, you can have Homer looking 
uh, for this person and Abe have Homer and Abe working together. So we get more time with them together and they're, and they're angry at each other They're Cause Abe's like, why are we doing this? And Homer's like, I need to know. And, and we get more flashbacks that develop. Oh, this is why Homer might want a new dad. Then it's revealed. Oh, it's Mason. We get to Mason end of act one. All right. Mason introduced end of act one. We don't, we, we don't wait till, 14 minutes in the episode for us to meet Mason. We get Mason right away. Yeah, that's that's a pretty easy fix, I think. And then, here, I can make this make sense. I can make this make sense about why Abe would switch the DNA test. Okay. Oh, you can. That's That's pretty impressive. Homer, the family, Marge and the kids, and Abe, they know that Abe switched it. They planned it. It's not Abe. This is not just Abe's plan. This is all of their plan. This is a scheme hatched up by all of them. And I think you'd have to have something shady going on with Mason along the way. Probably something to hint that he's not a great guy, but it gets dismissed along the way. He's still rich. Still. Oh, so like they're going to they're going to steal they find out that he's not a great guy. He actually stole all of his treasures from places that shouldn't have had their treasures stolen and the family is going to repatriate it. Correct, Matt. See, you know where I'm going. Matt Matt has sniffed mm-hmm. sniffed the trail. So Homer continues operating like, oh, he's my new dad, and we're gonna he's gonna go on this treasure hunt. And then it's revealed at the very end that he's not his real dad, but the paperwork has already gone through, and uh legal mumbo jumbo, uh grave. Abe made the decision to switch the DNA test so that Homer could try and get all this treasure and all this money and take it away from Mason and get it put to the right places. And we get a authority figure show up and that's how the episode ends with reveal that, oh, everyone, they needed Homer to, to think that Mason was his real dad so that he wouldn't give away the plot. Robbie, congratulations. You just turned this into a heist movie. I approve. I know. That's what that's what it is. That's what effectively what it would be. And you can be like nice and say, "Hey, don't steal, uh, don't steal priceless artifacts from you know indigenous cultures." I mean, that's a that's a bold statement for the Simpsons to take in this day and age. I know in the 2006, yeah, <laughs> the, the Simpsons are like, "No, t- make sure that we, uh, while you're stealing from these cultures, also make fun of them." That's what you need to do, of course. But that's like I, and that's like taking a lot of the information from this episode and using it. If I was going to do a different like an episode where Homer is like has a a new dad coming in it would be completely different and there there would not be a treasure hunter but whatever like of all the things you could make him a treasure hunter (laughs) he could be anything did they just go like oh herb was rich let's do that again but with more fun sounds right or you could do that you could even do that where homer ruins mason's business (laughs) because he destroys something or who knows what he does if you really want to make that's him... what Homer does, he destroys yeah, things. The... Okay, so here's what happened. You, you know why he's a treasure hunter? They wanted Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou came out in 2004. Oh God, you're probably right. And they wanted to have the the submarines. But I like Life Aquatic, Brian. I do too. It's my, actually but... my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but but they had to have that in there. So of course. You know, when you have something in your show that references something else, it automatically makes it good. Okay, cool. Thanks, Mr. Simpson's writer. I really appreciate your your insight here. Uh, Welcome. We, 
we can move on to our next segment. <laughs> it's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments from news group is where I ask our Patreon members to leave their reviews for the episode. Uh, and I read them on air, and it makes me feel like a sane human. Just for a moment. Uh, from First from Mark. I just wish the episode was about the frozen mailman. He could have somehow made friends with Homer, who could have helped him to adjust to modern life in Springfield with hilarious... Oh, no, sorry. It's season 17 with slightly funny consequences. Homer getting radio, newspaper, and television mixed up was funny. I did laugh a few times during the episode. Simpsons did, however, laugh more than me. For a straight 14 seconds, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, we forgot about Ooh. that bit, too. Him, them laughing for 14 seconds straight at a, at a, a dad pun from Mason. Yeah, that's also not a good bit. Uh, it could have been a much better episode if it included more stuff about Homer and Abe's relationship and less filler like that conversation about fans. P.S. What happened to the mailman? What did happen to the mailman? We don't I mean, know. He did. That's, that's the way that works. No, he's When you still... get frozen like that, you're dead. No, you're back to life. That's Come on, Matt. The rest of this episode operates on such crazy logic. Why couldn't we just have the mailman be back alive? Oh, he went on to have an Encino Man type adventure that we didn't get to see. Oh, man. Remember Brendan Fraser? Oh, we remember. I'm gonna go watch that movie right He's now. He's the best. He's such a good. I, I. We need it. Where, where's his, where's his renaissance? Where's the, uh, the, the Brendan Fraser renaissance? Where's I that? think it's coming. There's been a lot of discourse online about Brendan Fraser. I need a Brendan Fraser renaissance. I want him coming back to us, Brendan. We love you. We need you back in our lives. I can only watch the Mummy 400 times in a row. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next from Charles. Uh, ever since her first appearance, Mona was placed on a huge pedestal, but instead of just letting her story naturally progress, the writers tried to keep her up on that pedestal. This means that there is a huge divide between what she is presented as and what we actually see. I'm unaware of your views on quoting other reviewers. This episode reminded me of the real Jim Simpson mysteries, the grandpa timeline. So I'm going to paraphrase things from that video to get my point across about exactly what is wrong with this episode. We are first introduced to Mona in Remember, Oh Brother, Remember Where Brother Art Thou, being disappointed in for having a child out of wedlock. The point where she got him to, prom to promise to never tell Homer about his half-brother because she wants him to respect his father. Yet this episode reveals that she didn't even know if Homer was his at the time. Making things worse, the carnival incident ha happened before Mona and Abe were together proper when he was still courting, he courting her. Mona, however, actually cheated on Abe. Ma what makes Mona any different from Luanne Van Houten at this point? She used the excuse of Abe having a child out of woodlock to cheat on him while still looking down on him and judging for it. We know it was at least nine months before she ever gave him, but by then he had stopped caring and thus providing her with the excuse to get involved with the hippie movement. The irony being that the real Mona is actually far more likable than this idolized version the writers keep trying to present. While Abe is a jerk, he's also incredibly self-sacrificing. Mona, by contrast, is emotionally nurturing, but at times being very self-centered. They both try to be good parents, but their flaws got in the way. Instead, all the blame and responsibility keeps getting piled, being piled on Abe the same thing with homer the writers aren't good at making someone consistently sympathetic so so they do things like have a character do something they have already told the audience is wrong and is ignored in this specific instance but it's cute when i do it while homer is presented like a jerk for abandoning abe unlike when bart is treated like the bad guy for wanting to hang out with someone who doesn't treat him like something they wiped off from the bottom of their shoe we don't see abe start hanging out with kirk as some kind of childish revenge no no he does what he thinks is best for his son I try not to reference other reviewers uh, on the show. I, f I try and have our arguments have their own um, their own soundness. Uh, and yeah, there's asking for consistency from the writers at this point is. I know, like we, I, they would have to remember so much. 
like you know, it's not like someone wrote a book of what happens like, every single those, episode. Those two episodes about Mona, they have to watch them. Oh my god, it take forty about forty. They take forty minutes, guys. Oof, forty much, minutes to watch the episode about Mona, and if you want to watch those game episodes, that's another like hour, two hours of research. That's almost two hours. I gotta eat breakfast. <laughs> Uh, next, it's not like da- you do this while while eating breakfast. No, next from Derek, an exercise in pure tedium. After the most egregious inciting incident of the series, the episode is basically just running out the clock until the reveal that Abe is Homer's dad anyway, because of course he is. There was never any doubt, so the whole thing is a load of inconsequential nothing devoid of any substance and humor. Season seventeen is actually shockingly bad, isn't it? Like it's dreadful. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, from Tim. Homer accepting Abe as his father due to the fact that Grandpa raised him was was a quality crumb, which was immediately swallowed by Abe providing a lab explanation for the label switch. There were a couple of good throwaway gags in this episode that could have popped up anywhere. I mean, who doesn't want to beat up William H. Macy? Projected rank, wow. projected rank 306. How dare you, Tim? How dare you? I love who doesn't William H. Macy. It's America's sweetheart. I, I still think it's a shame we never saw him as a live-action George Jetson. I mean... How much? Okay, well, we're gonna do. That. We're gonna bring. Like, what's the budget on a a, a live action Jetsons movie? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, these days got probably 180 million. <laughs> the Flintstones movie of the 90s got uh, what's his name? Uh, John Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman. I'm not. It's not more about paying for William H Macy. It's more about paying for de aging CGI on William H Macy. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can do that. Because that's what that's what you do. You can do that. Make him a yeah. a younger dad, if you want to. Do it. Uh, there's plenty of people who can play George Jetson, Brian. No, no. I think it's only William H. Macy. Okay, cool. Next from Benjamin. It required several suspensions of belief to get anywhere in this episode, and there was never any actual doubt Abe is Homer's father. Focusing on the positives for once, I enjoyed Lisa and Grandpa's small talk at the retirement castle, and the flashbacks Homer had were sweet. The rest of it can pretty much go away, though. Uh, from J.J., I didn't hate the concept for this episode or the resolution, but it needed more time to breathe. There was so much filler and extended gags. It felt a little Family Guy-esque at times. The sequence of events which led to this main plot was meandering and convoluted. Toll booth to tire fire to frozen mailman. What is this nonsense? Keep it simple. Keep it character focused. Get the letter to Homer earlier in a way that makes sense and flesh out the main plot. Other than that, it wasn't very funny. And Mason was a forgettable character. It's frustrating because this had potential. They just didn't put the work in. Amen. And finally, from Lauren, overall, it was meh. They seemingly had one plot, and they got to it relatively quickly, but most of it was forgettable. I tried hard to stay awake, and it was a struggle. I think I chuckled at one point, but I have no idea what. Question. (laughs) What happened with the treasure? Was there emeralds in there? We don't know. Cool. (laughs) We just don't know. Yeah, Lauren, you're right. That's where I'm like, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for that, Simpsons. Uh, Those are the, the reviews from my our patrons, we appreciate all you guys. You're all the best people in the whole world uh, watching this direct along with us. If you'd like to join this uh, this cavalcade of calamity, as I called it earlier, you can uh, subscribe to us on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the Simpsons show. I, I, look, I put out the call for reviews uh, early Monday morning. Next up, we move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our listener question of the week this week. Easy peasy. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Matt, take it away. Alrighty. Uh, first up is Alex. A tie between Home Alone 2 and Scrooged. Fantastic ones, of course. 
Uh, from Casey, a Muppet Christmas Carol. Mine and my sister's tradition is to watch it Christmas Eve so we can hear Kermit sing one more sleep till Christmas. Uh, from Alexander, Night of the Comet, starring Catherine Mary Stewart, Kelly Maroney, and Robert Beltran. Granted, the Christmas stuff doesn't come in until more towards the end, but it's tough to beat the line, you were born with soul, Doris, you don't need Chuck. Also, Bad Santa and a Christmas Story. Quite the collection there. Uh, from Andy, it's tricky, but it's a tie between the night before with Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Anthony Mackie, and White Christmas. I've never even seen the night before, but uh, I'd rather watch that than White Christmas again. Whew, boy. What? Uh, White Christmas, man? I can't. I will not take this White Christmas slander. That White Christmas goes on forever. Who cares? It never ends. Who what? <laughs> Let it be forever. Anyway, why White Christmas could be five hours long? Who cares? Uh huh. Okay, sure. Uh, from Lauren, the nineteen sixty six animated How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I grew up with this movie, and I have to watch it every year. You're a vile one, Mister Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mister Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the uh, seasick crocodile. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't sing it, so no, no thousand points for me. I was going to say you didn't I get the bonus. Chattner you didn't it. get the bonus points. What? Sorry, I went spoken word. Uh, from Tim, I'll go with Christmas Story, a movie for which the plot is actually completely believable, beginning to end, was generally amusing without being slapstick, and made us happy without being saccharine. Every time I see it, I find something I hadn't seen before. I would like to think that early Homer was somewhat modeled after the father. I would agree with you there. A well-meaning oaf that one can root for. Uh, from Benjamin, well, it's not quite a mop, and it's not quite a puppet, but man. So to answer your question, it's the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, fantastic <laughs> phrasing, Benjamin. Thank you. Uh, from at the Andrew blog, mine is probably Home Alone for having the right holiday mix of craziness, fantasy, and heart. But as an aside, I cannot take a Christmas story because, to paraphrase Bart, it's like The Simpsons if it were written by Ned Flanders. Also true. That's uh, what's what's it's but it's a crisp. Okay, I'm gonna I you know what I don't Christmas love a story is bad, Robbie. You just need to accept that. Sometimes, sometimes I want like dumb sweetness, bad on, boring on. things. It's not boring. It's fun. Millions. Anything is focused fun. around children is terrible. Oh, that, that is not all true right. At all. Aren't, oh you, aren't you a Bob's Burgers fan? I am, but those aren't children. Those are those are little old men in, in children's guys. That's a real creepy way to put that. <laughs> but I'm not wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, from Matt Energy Turtle, uh, Iron Man 3, because the whole Die Hard is my favorite Christmas movie thing is getting old. We need a new contrarian answer, and that answer is Iron Man 3. Especially when there's so little snow involved in Iron Man 3. Can I, can I, uh, can I, I'm here, I'm going to, I'm going to air my grievances. We're doing this. I'm oh going to do this. What? What, Matt? What? Oh, God. What? Uh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Iron Man 3. Your Christmas movie. Iron Man 3. If you haven't. Okay. If you like Iron Man 3, if you're out there and you've watched. I'm, most people. I mean, it's Iron Man 3. Most people on the earth have seen Iron Man 3. Go watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is uh, literally the same movie, but better. Directed by the same person. So much better. Starring Robert Downey Jr. It's the same movie. It doesn't. <laughs> it's. But it's better. And, like, that's all I. When I watch Iron Man 3, I'm like. But, just, Robbie, it doesn't involve a man in a super suit. I know, but and but Val if okay if Iron Man three had Val Kilmer in it, I would give it a, I'd give it a pass. I go go ahead, Iron Man three, you do your thing. But Val Why Kilmer hasn't Val Kilmer been in the MCU? That's uh, he's on their had part. a lot of health issues lately. I'm pretty sure that's probably the reason. Well, oh. I'm pretty sure the billions of dollars Marvel has made in the MCU, they can they can get Val Kilmer back on his feet. Just give him some time. Phase four. Okay, good. Good. We'll we'll find uh, somebody he can be. Yeah. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> 
uh, from at Hippie 200, the 2009 A Christmas Carol film with Jim Carrey, who I usually dislike with a passion, but who does a good job in this film. Every Christmas Eve, I wake up early, make a lavish breakfast, and watch this film with my dog. Well, that's just adorable. Uh, from at, yes, it's Aaron, uh, Stalag17. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then so is this, a nearly flawless movie. Well, that's getting added to the list. I have no idea uh, what that is. Me neither. I, I need it now. It's a POW movie. All right. Okay. It's a 50s POW movie. Ooh, okay. Even better. Uh, it's between A Christmas Story and the 1974 Black Christmas. Ooh, someone likes horror on Christmas. Uh, from at El Columbia 88, A Muppet Family Christmas. An amazing crossover you can find on YouTube of The Muppet Sesame Street and The Fraggles. So great. I have seen that. It is actually surprisingly good. Although the fraggles are crazy. <laughs> All right. Uh, from at J.D. Salisbury, I would have to say that Matt, Gremlins is my favorite Christmas movie. Matt, 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 Matt. The okay. argument. Wait, what? Was, I, I'll, I'll start over. I'll start no, over. Sorry, I didn't but, realize we were back to non. I was going to say, there's no at. This is, I got this from an email. There's no. You don't have to. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's like calling me at Robbie. I was in like, Twitter <laughs> mode, and usually there's nothing after Twitter mode, okay? Twitter mode. I get it. Okay, cool. Okay. Got it. Uh, from J.D., I would have to say that Gremlins is my favorite Christmas movie. The argument about whether or not it can be put, uh, whether or not it is, can be quickly solved at looking at the fact that Gizzle was purchased as a Christmas gift for Billy. Ultimately, I realized as I got older that the film could be viewed as an indictment against capitalism and consumerism around the holidays, as the Gremlins relentless, uh, relentlessly consume without any consideration to the world around them. They don't spread goodwill and cheer, and even attack Santa in a scene that can be viewed as an almost a parallel to any mall on Black Friday. The fact that the climax is striped being killed in a department store is not listed on wasted on me and just furthers this message absolutely jd gremlins, gremlins is absolutely uh, a christmas movie i won't hear any yeah, i will oh, not hear absolutely. i will not hear a dissent on this gremlins is absolutely a christmas movie 100 percent. all right uh last one i think uh hi matt and robbie we are christmas nuts at home and is my favorite time of year my youngest daughter likes to make a list of christmas movies that are and put them into the advent calendar which we watch one per night leading christmas eve that is a fantastic idea i'm stealing that i'm doing that uh, however year. With greatest protest, my wife won't let me add my favorite Christmas movie to the calendar, which is Gremlins. My daughter tried to steal it into the advent calendar last year, but got caught. However, we all do love to watch Miracle on 34th Street with Mara Wilson and The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Also, thank you for the entertainment of Matt's brain exploding during the bad episodes. Terry from Down Under. I don't know. I think Robbie's brain explains more <laughs> during the bad episodes than mine. No, the thing is, Robbie's soul explodes. That, oh, a that's true. That's it true. is. It, it, the, the, bad it episodes, the bad episodes break your 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 logic and your science and your reasoning matt the the bad episodes punish That's me true. on an existential like level like if i was sent to hell all right that makes sense yeah it doesn't make any sense but whatever um you gotta you gotta do the you gotta ask oh, me sorry uh robbie what is your favorite christmas movie uh my favorite christmas movie is trading places oh that's a great christmas movie mm-hmm. um all about oranges it is about it. It is a, if you want to understand how the stock market works, uh, you watch trading no, no, prices. No, the commodities market, not the stock market. Matt, Matt, don't. Why do we got to God? If you say the same thing, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> whatever. Uh, it's the same principles. It's really not. Not even a little bit. The only okay. thing they have in common is that you're uh, paying money on a wild marketplace. That's that's the uh, you don't own the same things at all, Matt. 
why do you got to be like this? Why do you got to do this to me? You can't just like say, okay, Robbie. Technically correct, Robbie. <laughs> Fair enough. Train Places is a great movie. It's really funny. Uh, it has the, my favorite, the scene where Dan Aykroyd is dressed up like Santa Claus and eats a ham oh out of his beard on the subway <laughs> is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. Uh, Training Places is a great Christmas movie, and I wish people more people recognize it as one. Uh, Brian, what's your answer? Uh, my answer is Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, it's you know the best version of that story, and he's also the uh, Michael Caine is the best Scrooge. He plays it serious as a heart attack, and uh, even though there's crazy Muppet nonsense going on around him, he is just playing it like he was acting for the Royal Shakespeare Company, and it's just perfect. Uh, to throw in something that no one else has said yet, I'm also going to say I love, love, love Jingle All the Way because it, yes. I know it's terrible, but I love I... it. And... <laughs> it's, it's absolutely horrible, but it's so much fun to watch. It's the it s- is. I, I cannot with you guys. I cannot believe this. Jingle? Okay, Robbie. Jingle. How about Jingle All the Way 2? Have you seen that, Robbie? You that make, one's you're, terrible. you're making that this one's up. Really that doesn't no. exist. You're not, that no, isn't, oh, that's no, not no, real. Just, just wait. Just <laughs> wait, Robbie. Uh, Jingle All the Way 2 was produced by WWE Films. Oh, and, it has a wrestler and, in it. Is it. Which one is no, it? it does. No I'm wrestlers? Sure it, has, uh, it stars Larry the Cable Guy. Oh, no. He is, try- uh, so he is trying to get this teddy bear that talks and stuff for his daughter um this movie was made like fairly recently in like the last 10 years i think uh and never at any point does he attempt to order this bear online like it makes sense jingle all the way there was no amazon there was no ebay or there may have been ebay but it may have been really early at that time uh but this is a more modern movie and they never think oh i could get this item online but it's larry larry the cable guy he doesn't have a computer or a phone he can't i mean he does he does live in a trailer park in the movie so there is a wrestler in i i I did not realize the jingle all the way to was produced by the wwe it does have a wrestler santino morella is uh okay he's he's actually of all the people to put in a comedy santino were his that's not that's his wrestler name that's not his real name but santino is a incredibly gifted comedic performer probably the funniest wrestler i've ever seen uh, who, who's actually would probably be a great comedic actor in in a in most movies, but unfortunately he gets to make it be put in WWE movies, which are this kind of garbage. Jingle All the Way <laughs> is terrible, and I cannot believe that either of you answered that as a good like Christmas movie. Oh, I, that, we 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 realize that it's it's terrible, Robbie, but it's still funny to watch. I you you balked at Money Plane. You will willingly sit down and watch Jingle All the Way. Uh, how long is Robbie, Money I watch Jingle All the Money Play is like 90 minutes. Okay, so yeah, Jingle All the Way is 87, so I think it's the perfect amount for that terrible movie. Okay. Matt, what's your answer? <laughs> oh, uh, so uh, every year on Christmas Eve, uh, my wife and I watch Die Hard. Uh, she gets ripperly drunk, and I eat too much candy from our stockings, and that's our tradition. And then on Christmas Day, I watch uh, Christmas Vacation with my family. Again, hilariously terrible movie. I, I disagree. That's no, how dare you? Christmas Vacation's a great movie. Okay, it's not a bad movie. It is a very formulaic movie, and there are some jokes in it it's, that do not hold up in the stands. It's, well, it, 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 it takes away some of the bite that the original Vacation had, I think. 
I think that's, that's my true. biggest problem with it. But it, they wanted to make it more marketable. But I think it's I I still think it's a great movie. I think Christmas Vacation is great. And how dare you, Matt? How dare you call it a bad movie? Okay, I have lost all perspective on it over the years. I have no idea whether it's good or bad. It's, it's just a tradition. It's a comedy and it's funny. That's all. It, I don't know. It's, I don't ask a lot for a lot of uh, strict comedies, especially ones like. I, re- I prefer Randy Quaid playing the character he plays in the Vacation movies versus this weird new character he plays on YouTube. Oh. oh. And in real life. No, Matt, don't... Shh. Shh. Uh-huh. Shh. Uh, next week's question. I don't know. I just... I thought this was funny. What's your favorite TV show or movie starring William H. Macy? Uh-huh. Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. Go, go IMDB, look up William H. Macy, scroll through there. What's your favorite? It's been a lot of great movies. Uh, that's next week's question. I posted on our Twitter at, uh, at SimpsonsJoePod. You can email us at SimpsonsJoePod at gmail.com. And I post it on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. I post, it for, I post it publicly on there. You don't have to support us to see it. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the No Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean SMART. The No Google Trivia Challenge is where Matt and I each challenge each other with tree tree three trivia questions i'm still got christmas on my mind three trivia questions one easy one medium one hard and try and stump the other i have a matt has a two-point lead on me this season unfortunately for him i am the reigning champion yeah uh because i'm the best forever except for all the other seasons aside from the last one um matt are you ready for an easy question i'm ready sir these are all from homer simpson in kidney trouble oh god okay your easy question, Abe needs what organ transplanted from Homer? Uh, I believe it'd be a kidney. That is, you're correct. Good job. <laughs> All right. Phew, thank goodness. That was, yeah. that was a tough one there. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, your easy question. Uh, what is the name of the sex aid that Homer and Abe sell in Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy? The name of the sex aid? Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what it is, Matt. It is something that you drink that causes you to immediately go get wildly horny. Matt? Mm-hmm. Matt, mm-hmm. maybe you're just not on the internet enough. I would. That's not <laughs> Viagra is not a sex aid. Okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. What product do they make? Simpsons and Sons Revitalizing Tonic. Is that what you're looking you for? Are correct. That's yes, a sex aid. I there's some websites that will sell you lots of sex aids, Matt. They're nothing to do with. They're not. They're not. <laughs> not taken internally. They're say. not. No. Okay. I just want to, <laughs> who boy. All right. Well, <laughs> not well. Yeah. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. Okay. Your meaning question, Matt. Homer doesn't stop to let Abe use the bathroom on the return trip from the ghost town because he wants to see what program featuring who? Um, He wants to see. Oh, God. Um, I, know it. I know it. It's 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 F. Murray Abraham. Uh, and it's what is the phrase? Uh, inside the actor studio. Mm-hmm. I hate you, F. Murray, Murray Abraham. Abraham. <laughs> Why are you? That terrible episode. You guys know all this stuff from these terrible episodes. I don't know how you keep, keep that memory inside your head. What's my meaning question, Matt? All right, Robbie. Uh, who reads the book on tape that Marge and Homer listen to in order to spice up their sex life? Uh, is it Paul Allen? Oh, close. Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. Steve Allen. Paul Harvey. 
right? Is that it? Is it Steve Allen is the early Simpsons reference that no one knows because they're not yeah, old Steve people. Allen. Steve yeah. Allen, Paul yeah, Harvey. I got them. I got it completed. All right. Your hard question, Matt. What is the name of the bar in the ghost town? The name of the bar in the ghost town? Um, oh, man, so many things about prostitutes. I don't know if I know the bar. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I do not know the name of the bar. You got an answer, Brian? I have no clue. I, I thought you would know this because it is right up your alley. It is Ye Old Animatronic Saloon. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, These cards are right, marked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. Okay, Robbie, your hard question. What are the three pillars of the plan to eliminate dinner? The three main opponents, villains, if you will. <laughs> um, the Rand Corporation, the Saucer People, and... I'm sending it to you, Robbie. I'm, like, with my brain. <laughs> it's not going to work. Um... <laughs> Uh, the saucer people the Rand corporation and i don't have the third one the fbi oh i'm sorry uh is the Rand corporation the saucer people and the reverse vampires and they have to get home before dark sorry robbie (sighs) brian did you get you have any questions for us i sure do i knew Um, oh mr trivia man uh robbie do you want to go first or second i'll go first all right uh, so your questions, in honor of uh, Theme Park, this is uh, Muppet Theme Park oh, that we no. just built on our oh, most recent episode. Oh, uh, all of your questions are going to be about the Muppets in The Simpsons. Oh, no. Uh, your easy question, in A Fish Called Selma, what Muppet movie did Troy McClure star in? That's your easy question? Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, the, come on, Robbie. The, Muppet goes, the Muppets go medieval? Yep, that's it. Oh, thank God, I got that one at least. <laughs> All right, Matt, your questions are all going to be about Marge and Homer's parents. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Your easy question. In fear of flying, what was Marge's father's profession? He was a flight attendant or a steward. Yeah. And that is correct. Uh, Robbie, your That's, medium question. I already, I'm already, I'm already <laughs> putting in some complaints here. That's that. Those are the easy. I gotta think of a movie name, and Matt has to you, know. You it. see that movie two times. You see the movie title two times in that episode. <sighs> Fine, go ahead. <laughs> uh, your medium question: Whose funeral do we see Kermit the Frog attending? I can't tell you the name of the episode because it would give it away. Whose funeral do we see Kermit the Frog attending? Frank Grimes? Nope. Mod Flanders. No. I was like, who's died in the Simpsons? When he faked his death. Come on, right? Yeah. Bart the Fink. Yeah, I know that. I know that. <laughs> that's what happened in the episode. I don't remember that Kermit is there. That's your medium? <laughs> Mr. Tr- I should. I got to remember a sight gag from Krusty's funeral? Uh huh. Okay, but you can put it together. He's in entertain. He's in children's entertainment. As no, 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 no. You can put it together. Robbie <laughs> has lost track of that information long ago. I think you have the easier of the two hard questions, though. I'll say um, that. Okay, fair enough. Oh, great. Uh, all right, uh, Matt. Your medium question in Mother Simpson. What did Mona see on television that radicalized her? Um, I believe it was uh, Joe Namath's sideburns. Very or good. Wild untamed hair in general. Yep. This Should is I, I am protesting. <laughs> all right. I know both of Matt's <laughs> I knew both of Matt's questions right away. This is Brian, you're supposed to ask Matt the hard ones. I get the easy ones. Oh, that's right. We you did picked. Talk that you shit. picked. You're not getting your kickback anymore. No. 
your kickback of nothing. <laughs> All right, Robbie, your hard question. In Missionary Impossible, what? what three Sesame Street characters are seen attempting to collect Homer's pledge to PBS? Really? This is what we're doing? Yes. This is Matt, how much are you paying him? <laughs> I'm not paying him anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Bird, uh-huh. Oscar the Grouch, and uh, the Count. Oh, Robbie, you're so close. Oh, man. It's Big Bird, Oscar the Grouch, and... Elmo knows where you live. <laughs> Do you? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't like. Well, one. Okay, one. Why? How dare you? That's the first question. How dare you? <laughs> and two. Why would they do that? Like why? Why? Like why? Okay, go ask Matt. Is Matt's going to get nine points today? I'm the, put the no, rest no, no, of no. He's already said that mine is harder, and I, I didn't remember Elmo. So, all right, your hard question in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Abe meets Pearl, or Herb Powell's mother running what carnival game? Oh, um, I had the ring toss. I have no idea. It is Dunk the Clown? Dunk the Clown. Uh, you just would got you have met- that one, Robbie. No, I absolutely would. I would have guessed Ring Toss just like Matt did. Um, Dunk the Clown, the sexiest of carnival games. Oh, for sure. Well, Matt now has a six-point lead on me after this debacle of an episode. So that's great. <laughs> uh, I am still reigning champion. I can say that for, you know, eight, twelve, ten more weeks, whatever episode this is. I don't know. I don't know anymore. My brain's mush. I'm full of holes. My brain's full of holes. Uh, I, got your, I got brain worms. Um... That's it for trivia. Thank God it's over. We, I, my failure can be buried and forgotten. We can move on to our final segment. The segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically. We watch them chronologically, eventually compile a list of every episode ever. And how good they are. How low does it go? How low? Does it go? Hello. Does it go? Uh, is it worse than Simpsons Christmas stories, Matt? Uh, that was last um, week. I'm going to say no. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's quite that bad. This mm. at least has a coherent plot if it's a stupid one. Mm, it's pretty close. Um, if, okay, well, if it's better than Simpsons Christmas stories or above it, is Sea Homer Run, another season 17 special. That's the uh, safety salamander? Mm-hmm. Safety Salamander. I think Safety Salamander is better than this. Is it, Matt? I I have no idea, honestly. This is just <laughs> so bad in general. I just... Uh, I mean, these are all in the very similar vein of, like, unfocused, incoherent. Like, Sea Homer Run has three different plots. Uh, above that is Millhouse of Saint and Fog, in which it starts out as a Millhouse Van Houten episode, turns into a Homer Marge episode. Like future drama is technically about the future, home away from Homer. All like all these are just like a bunch of nonsense. And below it is also more nonsense. The season sixteen, city seventeen, they're all very similar. Um, I'd say this is better than See Homer Run. I think this is funnier than See Homer Run. All right, that's not hard to be. Yeah, no, it is not. It is not a steep hill to climb in difficulty of being funnier than See Homer Run. Um. (laughs) I think that's 
you know, I think they're probably comparable. This is a little bit more coherent than Sea Homer Run. Or, no, yes. A little bit more coherent than Sea Homer Run, and I think it has a couple gags that I thought were funny. And that's enough, I think. Honestly, doesn't need a lot. Is that okay with you, Matt? That's uh, fine with me. Matt's like, I don't care. Let me let me go home. I'm going to go eat lunch. <laughs> I want to forget these, these Robbie, episodes. Robbie, let me go so I can go eat lunch. I'm so hungry. I'm dying. <laughs> also that. Yeah, I know. I'm hungry too, but it's okay. Uh, Homer, I can't. Well, guys, can I ask? We didn't really talk about this. Why is this? Why is this episode called Homer's Paternity Coot? Because the writers really like the word coot. Yes, it's supposed to be Homer's Paternity Suit. And they're like, oh, coot rhymes with suit. Done. Yeah. I'm not saying it's good, but that's why. I didn't ask for. I you answer the question. You're, that's fine. <laughs> that's that's acceptable. I mean, I hate it, but it is. It's true. Uh, we have one more. We're not done. I'll say. Well, let me let me do this first. Homer's Paternity Cute is new number three twenty one in the list, right below Melissa Santa Fall, right above C Homer Run. Last place is still Codependence Day. It's made it uh, there, and I don't know if anything will ever surpass it as the worst. Uh, number one is still Homer's Enemy, the best episode of all time, categorically. Even if Brian Indeed. Brian would disagree, but it doesn't matter. I, I think it's a great episode. <laughs> it is a great episode. I, I, I will never argue that with you because it's. It's great. It is great. Um, poor Frank Grimes. Poor Frank. Rest rest in peace, Frank. Uh, we have one more one more question to answer before we leave, and that is: Do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! The cannon! Yes, yes, we shoot it out of the cannon. It's pointless. All it does is rehash the same stuff we've had in other episodes, and does it poorly. So, yes. Shoot it. Yep. Fire the cannon. Hey, Brian, you want to do the honors? Oh, I do. Oh, goodness. Okay. Here we go. Fire the cannon. Oh, I feel that was really fun, Robbie. I like. I see why you like that. It does feel good, doesn't it? It feels like it actually helps. It does. It. I honestly do feel better every time. Like it does relieve me a little bit at the end when I go, Oof, oh, it's like it, it, like it's just like a nice, met, a, a nice send off. Oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. It was bad, but it's over. It's over now. Okay, now. Uh, we can. Uh, so that goodbye, goodbye, Homer's paternity coup. We can move up to as we're working our way down through the top, through the rest of the list from the top down. We are at number forty nine now, which is Mister Plow. That's his name. His name again. Yes, the, the important thing is absolutely this belongs in the canon more than almost any other. Yes, if you dare touch it, I will hurt you. What about, I mean, but Matt, in the end of the episode, there's like a, a like, there's just a Deus Ex Machina. Like, God just shows up and melts all the snow. Like, literally. Uh, God Barney doesn't show up and melt the snow for Linda you. Ronstadt for some reason. I don't know. I think this should be. Yeah, we should fire, fire this. Fire us. It's really, it's full of nonsense. <laughs> All right. Just wait till next next month, Robbie. No, I just, I bring up these facts simply because I just like to point out the fact that Old Simpsons had plenty of cartoonish, dumb stuff, leaps of logic and plot holes. But because it was character based and it was so deeply funny, those things were forgiven and forgotten and oftentimes become like pluses. They turn those negatives into pluses. It's, it's charming that Barney knows Linda Rodstead. It's charming that they'd resort to God to melt all the snow at the end. Because you love the show so much, because it does such a good job of, of getting you to know these characters and finding and you they're so charming and lovable and funny. Not these misbegotten monsters that are in this this season of The Simpsons. 
so yes, Mr. Powell season the Keenan. Of course, it's a great episode. Number 49 on our list, and I'm calling it great. That's how great the Simpsons are. Then go to mm-hmm. we're, we're we're not we're fifty deep and we're still in great episodes. Where does the great stop? We'll answer that question eventually. Not yet. Not today. Um that'll do it for us today. Um before I do my spiel, Brian, tell the good folks where they can find you and your podcast on the internet. Uh, yeah, Theme Park This can be found at, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on everything, you know, everywhere you can go. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Theme Park This. Uh, you can also find me personally on Twitter at BortATX. I'll add that Brian is a good YouTube, a good Twitter follow. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's good at Twitter. Brian, you're good at Twitter. Yeah. I like making puns that make Robbie respond, Brian, with a period after the end. Some of them are just, it's, some of them are just, like, they, like, take the air out of me. Like, I just got, (laughs) like, I get punched in the stomach. Like, literally, they're just, they're, like, you manage to deliver them through words. So that's really impressive, honestly. Well, thank you. I'm really glad you take that as a compliment. I'm an artist. You are. I say. Much like a sandwich artist. You manage to (laughs) craft... And, and craft bad puns. Um, Subway sandwiches will also take the breath out of you. That's true. They will, depending on what you get. <laughs> you know, what kind of bread. The cheesy bread, the che- the Parmesan cheese bread on Subway does soften the blow a little bit. It's still not good, but, you know, it makes it How much good... yoga mat is in the cheesy bread? What did you say? How much yoga mat is in the, the cheesy bread? Have you not heard of this? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Subway bread has, like, an ingredient that's also found in yoga mats yes to a much much smaller degree because it's an elasticizer it's in pretty much every bread everywhere that's you don't make in your house matt why you gotta be but why you be like this <laughs> we're having a fun because i want people we're to having, stop we're having a, stupid crap like that we're having a fun conversation <laughs> about subway <laughs> and nothing brian said was wrong all right he didn't there was no lie it was wrong yeah, but you had to ins- ins- like insert your your real life facts about Subway not being <laughs> utter garbage. I mean, they're I didn't lies, say that. I just said lies. Subway is not good. Matt, are you? Do you disagree? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm totally with you there. Okay, thank you. That's all I need. I need you to. You you live in Florida, home of the public sub, and you are to def- like you're trying to like stand up for Subway. No, no, no. I'm just correcting the record. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's give you... It can be garbage for other reasons. I'm going to give you a Mr. Technical Correct banner. We're just going to wear it or a, a lanyard. We'll just tie it around your neck. Um, I have one behind me, so... I know you do, Brian. I know. I see it all the time. Um, what was I going to say? What do I do? Oh, I say uh, you can find me online on Twitter at Robbie Dorman, and my website is RobbieDorman.com, where you can find links to all my other podcasts and links to purchase my horror novels. There are seven of them. Do you like horror? You should go buy my books. Buy them all. Review them all. Give me five stars on Amazon. Uh, the newest one is called Regrowth. It's a uh, Creighton meets Cronenberg in an underground research lab. Brink of a world of collapse. A scientist researching limb regeneration and bad stuff happens. Monsters. There's monsters, guys, with, with you know, mutated stuff. You should go read it. I give it my thumbs up. Yep. Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is true. I spend all my time feeding and giving medicine to poor little kittens, and won't you please, please watch them grow up. Uh, 
can go see them on Instagram at Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S, and see them grow from tiny little eye-crusty uh, babies who can barely walk to giant cats who constantly eat my ankles, or at least try to. Are you gonna, are you gonna take? Are you adopting these? Is this these two foster pails, Matt? Is that what you're saying? You're presaging? Oh foster no, failure? God no, nope. You said that no. before, you know. Uh, we've had one foster failure, thank you. Like I just said, you said it before. I said it before, and it, there were extenuating circumstances. These ones, uh, the the crusty eyed ones, are already looking better. They're not even crusty eyed anymore. Like like the Simpsons character, get it? <laughs> I I do get it. Crusty the eyes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what do I? How do I? I'm losing my press capacity. Uh, I think that's all we do on this podcast. I'm not sure anymore. It is. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'm Robbie, and I'm Matt. Thank you. Watch this episode.